0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the City Centric Podcast. So this one's gonna be a little bit different and this is an introduction to a conference we've got coming up on May 15th, which is kindly being hosted at one of our partners, the Connected Places Catapult. Uh, it's a morning conference from nine until about one o'clock, and we've got three different panels. Uh, the reason we've decided to put on this conference, and I've got Araceli Camargo from Centric Lab, and Guillaume Desacache from Citi, which is based in Paris, but he's also based here in London at UCL for some further academic work. Uh, the reason we're here to talk about it is, essentially there is no greater challenge to our habitats than climate change. It is a man-made phenomenon and it is creating social, biological, geopolitical and economic challenges which at the moment, our cities are not equipped to handle or to solve. So we proposed this idea from some discussions. We brought on University College London, who are a partner in this conference, as well as the Connected Places Catapult, who are endeavoring to understand how can future cities thrive and survive from a human lens. But of course, what we do at Centric Lab, as well as the guys at S-City, a collective of academics and scientists based in Paris. So um, I think you guys have heard from me before. My name's Josh. I help run Centric Lab with Araceli, Um, Araceli, can you just give a very brief introduction uh, to yourself, who you are, and why, not necessarily why you're on this podcast, but uh, a little bit about why you're driven uh, to be a neuroscientist.
1: Okay, Uh, my name is Araceli Camargo, and I am a cognitive neuroscientist. And we wanted to put this conference together from a neuroscientific perspective because climate change is affecting and it is changing our habitats. And our habitats are where we do life, where we work, um, and therefore will have an effect on the human. And that's what we wanted to look at um, with this with this conference.
0: Excellent. Guillaume, can you give yourself a little introduction, please?
2: Yes, yeah, so my name is uh, Guillaume de Zegache. I am a researcher at the University College London. I work in... Uh, social cognition. And uh, one of the aspects I'm interested in is uh, how we collectively react to uh, to danger. And as you know, climate change is going to provoke a number of danger we have to face collectively.
0: Thank you. So, Araceli, first to you. Um, for many people, relating the nuances of neuronal transmissions and weather patterns is quite a leap. But what is it as a neuroscientist that you're seeing of why this is just such a grave topic to discuss?
1: Yeah, so we won't get down to the neuronal or cellular level just yet. Um, what what I'm observing based on the research that we're doing is that climate change has a potential, as I said, to change our habitats, specifically causing the displacement of people. And that could have a consequence on our sense of home, our sense of place, and our sense of self. Um, Firstly, through the grief of losing a habitat that you might have been um, in relationship for a very long time. Secondly, the anxiety that is felt on the lead up to the tragedy. So there's um, studies in Australia looking at both the grief and anxiety being experienced by farmers as they slowly see um, their habitat being eroded by drought. Um, Equally, if you experience um, climate change through a flooding event or a hurricane or an earthquake, there is PTSD potentially on the other side. And then furthermore, if that phenomenon causes you to immediately move and displaces you, you then have the trauma of going through the migration process, which is what we see with people from Syria and now more recently the migrant um, uh um, phenomena that is happening in the US in the US-American border that a lot of it is being spearheaded by by mm. climate change and so those people are suffering both the grief and the loss of their habitat and then once they're entering the process on the other side possibly feeling things like loneliness and depression coming from alienation which all of these are then conversations for neuroscience to, to look at.
0: Excellent, thank you. Um, Guillaume, a lot of your research has tend to look as a as a cognitive scientist has been looking at the idea of threat, and you've looked at the the idea of threat through not only humans but also other animals and species on on this planet. So, in the conversation of climate change, how how very simply is there a threat that we're not aware of, or how will humans you think change in in mind of the threats that climate change will propose. So we're designing plazas, town centres, we're designing buildings, and we're trying to, you know, we always think about the future in the form of the present. But from your experience as a scientist, do you foresee that there will be changes in our behaviour as we adjust to the threats posed by climate change?
2: Mm-hmm. There, there, there's something which, which is clear, is that we, we are under prepared to, to this of threat. It, it is coming very fast coming in a dimension we could not ex- expect and I mean we know basically that climate change is going to cause disasters such as floods, uh, fires and we know that those events are traumatic as I uh, actually said and are going to cause stress in people and this is going to ultimately affect social cohesion. The issue now is that social cohesion is one of the main buffer against those uh, sort of stress And those sorts of disasters. Now in urban environments, you are facing people you will never see anymore in your life. So there's there's a lack of basically social cohesion because there's no familiarity with the people you're living with. And the question is, how can we organize cities and how can we organize communities such that they create a real buffer against the disasters to come?
0: Excellent. So, I mean, in both of those points, we are really, and that is the crux of this conference, is understanding the human impact of climate change. So we, we really have understood it. Or for many years, people have been discussing the environmental impacts, understanding the impacts of floods. But what does that mean from the granular level of how your family dynamic will work if you are spread across a city or live internationally? What well, will climate change do to your personal perceptions of that? Um, Aricelli, it's something that we're, we're covering as a lab and one of the things we're releasing at this conference does follow on from that um, which is and I think we're, we're both going to discuss now I think both of yourself sorry Aricelli and Guillaume the idea of slightly more sort of vulnerable demographics and the relationship between experience, perhaps mental health, options, choice affordances, things like that um, a lot of the work that we've got coming up and we're releasing uh, with Centerpoint I think can you talk that about, about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. So we're we're releasing a report on poverty, PTSD and climate change, which is a mouthful. (laughs) Um, And we're doing it collaboratively with um, S-Cities and Guillaume and Emma. Um, And this is what you were talking about. That's going to be translated into French um, as well, Um, because we wanted to use PTSD as a proxy and as a measure for human tragedy which i know sounds really really grim but to really understand tangibly palpably and build empathy for what this means at a human level we wanted to go to 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 that extreme and by extreme i mean that ptsd is a very debilitating um physiological and mental phenomena Um, it opens you up to chronic illnesses um, and it opens you up to a long-term battle with um, with mental health because at the moment there is no cure for PTSD and the reason we wanted to look at poverty or people that are suffering for poverty is that they are they have as Guillaume says they have less buffer they have less ability to be able to mitigate so as We are seeing more extreme weather that you have maybe a prolonged period of time or even a short period of time of colder weather. How does a poor family mitigate that if they don't have the resources to it? Because maybe they live in housing that isn't properly insulated or they don't have the monetary affordance to just turn the heating on. And what does that do if there are small children in the home? You know, These children may not be able to sleep properly because they are too cold. Um, And then how does that further on they reflect in their in their day-to-day. Um, and we wanted to illustrate that because what we're gonna see is that we can't talk about inequality in cities or inclusivity in cities now without looking at it from a climate perspective. Because all of those demographics that right now we're not including in cities, whether you are neurodiverse or you are poor or you're a woman um, or a woman of color Climate change is just going to exasperate all those things because imagine that you have mobility issues and it's now 10 feet of snow versus five feet of snow. How do you cross the city? So you're now going to be even more vulnerable. So those are the things that we are wanting to look at. So we understand climate change at, as we said, at a very granular micro level, at a day-to-day level even.
0: Thank you. And Guillaume, to you, before we were we were speaking about how, as Zarechili has just been discussing, sort of how different demographics in society actually prepare for threat. And, you know, in in particular, sort of more vulnerable demographics. Um, Can you explain a little bit more about how this feeds into your work, why it is a bigger question you're asking, and and how you're going to be discussing this a little bit more at the conference?
2: So what we know is that uh, in the world... uh Broadly speaking, the most affected by climate change are the most vulnerable populations, and the question now is whether the, the sort of segregation that you can see in city does would, would that be even more affected by by, by this pattern? And I f- I think that there's there's many aspects in which this can be exab- exacerbated. Sorry, um, one is 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 the issue that. When you are in a state of economic deprivation, you tend to value more the present, you're more present-oriented. The issue now is that um, climate change is is the problem, is a collective problem, not an individual problem anymore, and it's a problem for the future and not only for the for the present. And and, and the second aspect is that when you are in a state of economic deprivation, you're less able to buy solutions. Mm-hmm. So the question now is how can we plan cities how can we plan urban environment to avoid that some of the population the most vulnerable population are going to pay the bill twice basically
0: thank you um you know from the we've very much covered it from the social aspect and looking at an urban planning i think one of the things that i'm interested to discuss at this conference and to join the conversation is that we we tend to have and i think we've discussed many times offline tend to look at climate change as being perhaps only a social or only something that affects um You know, you're you're more vulnerable demographics, but the reality is that it will affect the day to day lives of everybody. This is something you were mentioning, Ericelli, and I think, you know, let's stick on a corporate hat because everything works in an ecosystem. We have business alongside social, we have corporations alongside individuals. And I think one of the things that we're going to discuss at the conference is the relationship of um, the real estate investment industry as well. So, what does it mean to have a building where workers are arriving from more congested or delayed journeys? What does it mean for extreme weather on their stress response system? And you know, when we're questioning this in the con, you know, the the conversation of the future of work, something that every company is sort of contriving to find a solution within, the sensitivity towards stress and impacting those kind of higher cognitive functions does mean that you know we're we're walking almost like a you know use the boiling frog analogy um uh, previously jelly to to discuss actually are we sitting here ignoring the reality um, that's facing us, that we want to achieve these great heights, but we're in a process of not being aware of the subtleties. And so climate change isn't about mass flooding necessarily, isn't about hurricanes. It will be the slow iterations of how we do our work day to day to day. So it is, a, you know, at the moment we're about adaption, but we're also about mitigation and the human mitigations that need to be put in place. So that's, that's certainly one topic that we're going to be covering at the conference. Um, uh, I mean, I, I can discuss this if you have anything else to say, but one of our projects with uh, Centerpoint. There is a report that's going to be released and we're first uh, launching at the conference. Um, There will be a series of recommendations and mitigations put in there as well as a sort of more literature review on the relationship of post-traumatic stress disorder and climate change. Um, And it's just a note that all proceeds that we do raise from this conference, and we're very thankful for the numbers of people that have donated very generously for ticket sales, is actually being donated to Centrepoint. They are, as long as with many other sort of great organisations and charities at the forefront, of dealing with these issues the day-to-day. So uh, more information can be found on our website. It's easily found through Eventbrite. It's up on the Connected Places catapult. Um, Before I go, I can see Araceli just waving to me with one extra comment to add.
1: Uh, Yeah, just to support why we're looking at Centerpoint When we were doing the research for um, PTSD and um, poverty and climate change, um, when cities are looking at disasters... They never include the homeless and that is something that needs to change because as we saw with recently in Chicago, all of a sudden there was an entire population that we didn't know what to do with and, and part of looking at Centerpoint is that they are dealing with very vulnerable people, the young and also people that are, that are homeless
0: even more reason to start making a difference so um, once again if you are interested in coming to the conference uh, tickets available on uh, Eventbrite you donate what you want you can donate 50p or in the case of some people you can donate over 100 pounds and we thank you very much to those people that have done that um, do get in touch with us at hello at thecentriclab.com if you have any questions uh, right now all I can say is thank you to Aricelli and Guillaume for coming on the podcast thank you thank you